Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Amen. Thank you so much for your giving. Uh, Again, I'm honored that you're here today. I'm going to be talking to you about taking a step toward freedom today, Um, but before I do that, again, I want to encourage you to uh, get plugged into a small group, take time to do that. Um, I returned late last night from um, northern New England. Um, I was uh, part of a prayer conference up there and had the opportunity to speak to some pastors and, and people from northern New England and encourage them, but while I was there, um, there was a few services that I, I, were, you know, I didn't have the responsibility of speaking that I got to sit in and uh, just really um, was encouraged that God had a few things that, that he had specifically for our church about this year uh, that came through a word of, uh, of prophecy about some things, uh, doors that would be opening up for Bethesda Church, and uh, it was just really exciting to hear uh, what the Holy Spirit has in store for us here at Bethesda Church, and uh, one of the, some of the things that that that's going to happen this year, and I'm already hearing testimonies of it, is that we would experience uncommon favor, uncommon miracles, uncommon blessing. Uh, that it would be a very unique year this year. How many of you could uh, handle some you uh, some uncommon miracles and uncommon destiny? It's going to happen this year for you. Um, But we're going to get right into the Word today. Um, I want to talk about take a step toward freedom. We believe in steps here at Bethesda Church, and it's important that every person continue to take steps in their relationship with God. And uh, again, steps are uh, extremely important. It's kind of like at my house, having four kids ages 10 and under, at Christmas time and birthday time, grandparents love to buy gifts that require assembly. I'm not a fan, Um, because Christmas, especially Christmas, because all the grandparents come and think it's really cool to buy all these toys that they're going to leave, and then now I have seven hours of work to do. Um, And and the first thing I just want to say to get it out of the way, could you please put it together before you bring it? Anybody feel me on that? Come on, there got to be some parents that understand what I'm talking about. But anyway, um, I would relate it to, in, in us taking spiritual steps, Um, Have you ever gotten cute with one of those toys and you thought, I don't need the instructions, I'll just look at the box, and then you put something together and it looked nothing like the box? And and I think a lot of people, that's what their faith looks like. And, And the reason being is because they try to skip steps. They try to move past some steps, maybe uh, things that we don't really want to deal with or things that we think are not important, and and we're missing out on some things that God has for us because um, when God has designed us for purpose, and he's also designed us to be fulfilled, but the only way to discover purpose, to live a fulfilled life, is to take the steps that God has for you, and one of those steps is freedom. How many know it's hard to make a difference in somebody else's life if you're still in bondage? Uh, And I've learned over the years, you can be saved and on your way to heaven and still struggle on the earth. All right? Uh, A couple years ago, we were having some issues here at the church with uh, some dream team members. And and what I mean by that, they, they, spiritually speaking, they were just not healthy. 
Uh, and, and that's a common thing. Some people get burned, you know, they're, they're just burned out, they're over-serving. And, and so we've really been intentional this year to make sure that people are not over-committing themselves uh, to certain things so that they can remain healthy. God wants us to serve, but he don't want us to serve at the expense of our own relationship with God. Does that make sense? Uh, and, and so we had some people that were becoming unhealthy because they were over-committed in some areas. Uh, and, but one of the things that I found out is that a lot of those people who were overcommitted in, in areas of service, they were undercommitted in relationship. They were not part of a group. They didn't have anybody in their life to hold them accountable, uh, to, to keep them in check, to keep them in balance. And, and relationships, listen, outside of your relationship with God uh, and the Holy Spirit and God's Word in your life, the, the next most important thing is surrounding yourself with the right people. You gotta find community, and, and and that's how we do it here at Bethesda Church. We believe in community. That as we connect with one another, we believe life change takes place in the context of relationships. So Exodus six verse six says, "Say therefore to the sons of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will deliver you from their bondage. I will also redeem you with an outstretched arm." And with great judgments, and then I will take you as my people. I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. So God said, number one, I'm going to bring you out. That, that is salvation, okay? Step one here at Bethesda Church is salvation. We call it knowing God. We, we accomplish that in the weekend services. The second thing God said, he said, I'll deliver you. Um, deliverance is a word that we don't like to talk about in church because we think of the exorcist. We think of uh, a wilderness scene in backwoods, Arkansas, right? Or, or, or that crazy movie from years ago called Deliverance. Come on, y'all, smile. Uh, you're not that holy. Uh, we, we have all these different, you know, uh, things that trip us up when we think of the word deliverance uh, because deliverance is messy. Uh, the third thing God said is, I will redeem you, which is our step of finding purpose. that God was talking about restoration, restoring you to a purpose-driven life. And then the fourth, thing, the fourth thing is, he said, I will take you as my people. That is the step of fulfillment. And the only way to be fulfilled is to serve others. If you live a selfish life, you'll live a miserable life. If your life is all about you, I promise you, you will not experience joy and peace and happiness. It will not come through being selfish. It will only come through making a difference by serving other people. So I want you to imagine with me, the children of Israel have been in bondage for 430 years. That's a long time to be in bondage. And God brings them out, and they are now out of Egyptian bondage, and they are forced to live and to create a new life. Um, and you look at that and say, well, that, that's great. No problem at all. Um, the problem is, is that God had set them free from Egyptian bondage, but they had a new set of problems. The new set of problems involved learning how to live free and, and, and to be a free nation. Um, they, the only memories they had were memories of being slaves. They had no idea what freedom looked like. They had no idea how to live a free life. And so they're not slaves anymore in the sense of they're not in Egypt, but at the same time, though they had come out successfully out of the nation of Egypt, God brought them to a place that he had to get Egypt out of them. 
And it's no different in our walk with God. We get saved and salvation is immediate. You are on your way to heaven. But how many know it's another story to get the world. It's one thing to be delivered from the world, but it's another issue to get the world out of us. See, their thinking was still in Egypt. Their mindsets were still in Egypt. They, they were still thinking like slaves, even though God had set them free. Now, a couple of things about that. It seems redundant that God would say, all right, I'm going to set you free when he had already, you know, brought freedom to them. But what we learn is that the children of Israel, they had some behaviors, they had some mindsets that needed to be dealt with. They, they didn't trust anyone because their masters had abused them, so they had no trust in God, and they were skeptical of their future. And, and here's what we know. We can be free spiritually, committed to following Jesus, and yet still act like slaves to old habits and sinful behaviors. That is possible to happen. See, our thinking is not much different. Everybody in this room, hit your neighbor and tell your neighbor, you got issues. You got selfish habits. You, you, got, you got wrong attitudes. You, you got sinful behaviors that have to be dealt with. And, and so we need the step of deliverance. We need to find freedom. For, for a certain generation, the word uh, deliverance is a scary word, but today I want to I slow down and talk about why we need it and who needs it and what it means. So the first question that I want to ask is, who needs deliverance? Who needs deliverance? Unfortunately, one of the first traps after salvation is when you and I start to think, all right, thank you, God, for saving me. Now I'll take it from here. And so we start coming up with our own plan of how we're going to live and how we're going to live a, a life of freedom. And we have good intentions, but here's what I've learned. Good intentions will not set you free. And the reason I know that is there, there are people under the sound of my voice today, and you have the desire, you have good intentions um, to be a different person right now than you are. There's some things in your life, and you got good intentions to change those things, but some of those areas have been there for a long time, and they're still not changed. Why? Because good intentions will not change it. If desire was the only thing needed, then we would all be cool and have no issues, right? Because we don't want to live in bondage. We don't want to struggle with the same things. We don't want to live in a cycle of frustration and failure. And that's what happens when we try to make it all about our intentions and, and, and we're going to make this happen. We start off with good intentions, then we fail, and then we experience guilt. And then we do the cycle again. Good intentions, failure, and guilt. And so we have to, we have to figure this out. How, how are we going to be set free, really? Because even the Apostle Paul talked about this in Romans uh, chapter 7. He said, I don't understand myself at all, for I really want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do the very things I hate. If you have ever felt that frustration, congratulations. You're human, right? Like, that, that's what this life is about. We, we struggle. And Paul, Paul goes on to tell us, look at this. I've discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me 
that is at war with my mind, and this power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will deliver me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, we all, we, we all need Jesus to save us. We need him to settle our eternity in him. He, he's the only one that can do that. But we also need Jesus to help deliver us. Um, from issues that we have, sinful behaviors, wrong mindsets, all of those things. So deliverance is not just for people who have demons. Deliverance is for anyone who is still struggling with their sinful nature, which means it's for everybody. Hit your neighbor and say, this is for you. Wrong neighbor, find a new one. Come on, this is for you. Now we got to ask, what is deliverance? What is deliverance? Um, a lot of us, we lump deliverance and salvation into the same category. But salvation and deliverance are two different things. They're not the same thing. Salvation takes care of our eternity. Deliverance determines our quality of life on the earth. A lot of people are saved but miserable until Jesus comes back. Why? Because they're not delivered. They're not living in freedom. Salvation, the first step, is instant. The moment I call on Jesus, ask him to forgive me and come into my heart, that is instant. That is the first step. But the second, how many know, deliverance is a process. Like, it, it's something that I've got to walk out. It, it, it's not just an instant work that I get saved and delivered and never struggle again. Now, the church I grew up in said you'll never struggle again. Like, if you're really saved, you don't struggle. They taught that. And so I sat there miserable in, 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 in church thinking I'm going to hell no matter what. Because everybody else is perfect. But what I didn't know is everybody's wearing a mask. They had issues. They just didn't talk about them. They wanted everybody to think they got it all figured out. The truth is we all got issues. We're, we are all Walking with God and working on some stuff in our lives. Now, salvation is as simple as believing. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. In other words, you didn't have to change to get saved. I was taught you got to get it worked out and then come to church. How many know there's a big problem in that? Because you're never going to get it worked out. So God wants us to come as we are, and salvation is an instant work. We can't brag about that. But on the other end, what we need to know is works follow grace. Works follow grace. You experience grace, and then you start working with God on your mindsets and on your behaviors. Here's what Philippians 2.12 says and verse 13, 12 and 13. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Notice the order. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Salvation's first. All right? There's no work involved in that at all. That's instant. The moment we come to Christ, that's done. We're saved. But you got to work hard to show the results 
of your salvation, watch this, obeying God with deep reverence and fear, for God, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Verse 13 right here, it's an incredible promise. Salvation is immediate, but deliverance is a process. The good news is, is that when you get saved, your desires change. God gives you the right desires, and not only does he give you the right desires, he gives you the power to do it. The Holy Spirit begins to assist you in your development. So God gives us the upper hand in the internal battle. We are made up of body, soul, and spirit. Okay, We are, we are a triune being. Uh, when, when we talk about our bodies, our bodies, that, that's talking about cravings and appetites like lust. How many of your body has some desires? Two of you. Um, I want to lose 50 pounds, but man, I'd love a 12-pack of tacos. Right? Come on, who's with me? Let's go to Taco Bell after church. Y'all got, you ready? Like, uh, your body has desires. Then you got your soul, which, which is your emotions. And, and your emotions, man, you can't trust them. If you are being led by your, your emotions, you're headed for a disaster. So we're body, soul, but we're also spirit, which is the eternal part of us. And what a lot of people don't really recognize is that all three want to be in charge. The body wants to be in charge and call all the shots for you. The soul, your emotions, your feelings want to be in charge. But the spirit is the one that we want to... That Paul also talked about the battle of, of the flesh and the spirit, that they are always at war with one another. And so this is a battle that, that goes on, and, and every day got to decide that you're going to win the battle of the spirit and not allow your body... And not allow your emotions to be in charge. When you get saved, your spirit is immediately cleansed, but the other two will continue to fight to be in the lead. All right? So we have to make sure our body's not calling all the shots. We have to make sure that, listen, your body, soul, and spirit, they all affect one another. If you're out of control in your body, I promise you, it will affect your emotions and your spirit. Vice versa. They all affect one another. And God wants us to be whole, body, soul, and spirit. So deliverance is God's way of ensuring that we live a spirit-led, spirit-filled life. Now, why is deliverance necessary? Why is it necessary? Three million people, maybe four million people come out of Egypt. They've been set free from this bondage, but they've all grown up as slaves. That's all they've ever known is, is being slaves. They knew nothing about how to live free. They did not know how to take care of themselves, and they didn't know how to enjoy life or relate to God. They didn't know how to do any of those things. People who have been slaves often don't know how to function in the new life. Like, if you're 50 years old and you've never served God, and you get saved at age 50, how many know it's going to be a process to retrain your mind to start living in accordance with God's will. Why? Because for 50 years, you've let the soul and the body call all the shots. And so now you got to work through those. The same was true for the children of Israel. In essence, though, here's, here's the, thing, the thing. When we don't live in freedom, we miss out on our purpose. 
The reason this step is so important is because you'll never really live in purpose and you'll never really make the impact God wants you to make until you have been set free. All right, now check this out. A few things they struggled with that we also struggle with. They're out of Egypt, but here's the list. Number one, we all struggle with our speech. Exodus 16 and 2. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. One of the core issues that the Hebrews faced was that of complaining. They they complained about their leadership. They complained about the trip. They complained about which route to take. They complained about the food they were given. They complained about each other. They even complained about God. And I want to stop right here and, and, and hit this part. What they were really doing is, is they were whining. And whining, in many ways, is the opposite of worshiping. Worship is when we glorify God for who he is and we acknowledge what he has done. Whining is when we ignore who God is and we forget what he has done. Nothing worse than a Christian who pouts and whines. Get over yourself. You're not that important. I'm not being mean, but when we whine and when we complain and when we pout, what we are saying is, is God, I don't trust you. God, I don't, I don't believe you. I, I, I'm not going to trust your process. I'm, I'm going to complain. I'm going I'm to, you know, live this life of pouting. And what happens is, is those kind of people end up, end up every time, if they, don't, if they don't get healed from it, they end up wounded, offended, and bitter. How I many of that's not God's plan? It's not God's plan at all. I, you know, sometimes I can't tell the difference between people in the world and people in the church by, by just listening to their speech. How I many of we should speak different than the world? We should not be, I'm in the wrong church today. (laughs) What we say is important. But because of, you know, where we live and social media, you know, everybody's got an opinion now. And it's one thing, everybody has an opinion, but now everybody thinks their opinion is important. And so we put it out there, and if we're not spewing our opinions, then we're talking about how bad our life is. And as people of God, that's, we, see, your speech will create your path in life. Your life will follow your speech. Your world will be framed by your words. You can't complain and whine and speak negativity all the time and expect to live in the joy and in the peace of God. And, and I have to pray every day for my speech. Listen, I said earlier, how many of us know that we all have issues? Let let me rephrase the question. How many of you have made a mistake in the last month? Raise your hands. Every hand better go up. (laughs) Now, the other thing I would ask, how many of us, that mistake involved words that we shouldn't have said? That's a big one, isn't it? You have to pray about your speech. Pray about how you communicate. 
Be an encourager. Be, be someone that speaks faith and life. And, and, you know, don't live like a Debbie Downer all the time. Come on, we all know Christians that if we seen, seen them in Walmart, we would run the other way. Why? Because we've heard the same old sad story 72 times. Get over it. Move on. The second thing is, is we struggle with wounds. And no one is, is blaming the children of Israel for this, and no one is exempt from being wounded. The children of Israel, they were in bondage for 400 years. How many of you are going to come out of that wounded? You're going to come out of that with some emotional baggage. And all of us have been wounded through negative events that happened to us, harsh words that were spoken to us. Maybe someone who judged us inappropriately, someone who we felt betrayed us or rejected us or the losses we've experienced in our life. We've all been wounded, and every Hebrew felt those wounds. But the problem is, a lot of times, instead of really finding deliverance and freedom, we stuff all those hurts down, down inside of ourselves. We don't really get healed from them. We just kind of push them down and pretend like it doesn't exist or it didn't happen or pretend like we're okay when we're not okay. And, and, and so we don't normally see it until we explode on someone in anger and, and we're really not even mad at that person. Really, we just, we, we got issues internally. We've been wounded in the past and we start taking out frustrations on people that didn't wound us. But because we've not been healed, we lash out in conversations. We struggle to develop intimate relationships because we, we don't trust people anymore. We, we, we've been hurt before and I'm not going to be hurt again. And instead of really experiencing deliverance and freedom, we want to push those things down in. And it comes out in lashing out at people. It's because you're not healed. You rip somebody's head off, it's because you're wounded and you never dealt with it. Some of the people you're mad at haven't done anything to you. But if you haven't dealt with the old wounds, listen, that's going to come out in every relationship you have, and it will rob you of two things God wants to do in your life, and that is for you to discover your God-given purpose and to make a difference in the world. If you never let go of your past, you will never arrive in your future. As long as you are parked in the past... You cannot run toward your destiny. The third thing they struggled with and we struggle with is appetites. Exodus 16 and 3 says, The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt, then there we sat around pots of meat. You got to love this. We were in bondage, but we had pots of meat, you know. Um, we all ate the food we wanted. But you've brought us out into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Let me say, appetites are not wrong. It wasn't wrong for the Israelites to be hungry. Appetites are God-given. Nothing wrong with food. Nothing wrong with sex. How many of sex is God-given? As long as it takes place in marriage, it's cool. But when appetites get, get out of control, then we have a problem. See, they had filled their appetites with Egypt and, and, and for so long that they had a stronger taste for Egypt than they did God. 
When we talk about addictions in church, we're really bad at only talking about the drug addicted, alcoholics, people hooked on pornography, and we, we, we only want to talk about what we consider the big ones. But an addiction, get this, an addiction is anything that we don't want to do, but we can't stop doing. It's any ingrained pattern that pulls us to something other than God to escape our pain. Well, pastor, I don't do crack. Praise the Lord. <laughs> but you're on Facebook seven hours a day. I mean, that's an issue. We're finding our value from likes and reshares. I've never gambled. You know, I haven't taken my 401k and my family's savings and gambled it away. You haven't done that, and that's great, but you're hooked on watching seven hours of TV every day. Any, an addiction is anything that we don't want to do, but we keep doing it. We can't stop doing it, and a lot of times those addictions are things that we do to escape our pain. We, we don't really want to deal with our issues, so we, we have something, we have a go-to. Let me ask you something. What are the things in your life that have control over you? What is it in your life that, that it, it has control over you? you? You don't like it, but it's like you can't change it. What happens is, is that if we don't deal with those things, we end up living our life on a treadmill of frustration. God had a solution for, for the children of Israel, though. What he did with their appetites, he repositioned them so that what they wanted was not available. Meaning that the only way you can defeat an appetite is to starve it. You gotta start. Sometimes the best way to win the battle is to leave the battlefield. Get away from it. A lot of us, we want to negotiate with our addictions. I don't know what it is about Monday, but everybody's going to change on Monday. <laughs> I'm going to lose weight on Monday. I'm going I'm to exercise on Monday. I'm going I'm to do better on Monday. I don't know what, what's the deal with Monday. <laughs> Today is the day of salvation. I know it's not Monday, but you can change today. God wants to help you today. And it doesn't matter if it's uh, uh, something in your body. If, if food is out of control in your life and you, you've, you've wanted to stop for 20 years eating too much, how many know that's a problem? We don't want to talk about it because in church, we come to church and then we eat. That's what we do best. <laughs> right? Come on, y'all smile today. <laughs> it's tough enough talking about deliverance. But let's, let's allow God to do something. Now, how, how are we going to be, what are the steps to deliverance? Number one, listen, you got to be honest. you got to be honest. When I first became pastor here at Bethesda Church, it didn't look like this with lights and stage designs and all the stuff we have now. Um, it looked more like a forest. And what I mean by that, there was fake trees and plants everywhere. All right, I'm not mad at anybody over it, but I preached from the jungle. They were all over the place. 
go back and look at some old video or pictures, you'll see me in the midst of all these trees. And I'll be honest with you, I hated them. Hated them with a passion. Could not stand those stupid fake trees. They're all over the platform. They're all over the hallways. Everywhere you went, there was fake trees and fake plants. And I'll be honest, they got on my nerves. It's like, why do we have all this fake stuff around? Why do we need all that? This is not the 80s. There was a time it was probably cool, but it's not now. And, and one, what, where, where it really bothered me was in the hallways. And so what I did, y'all forgive me, I was 29. <laughs> Telling on myself. Confession's good for the soul. But I would come early or, or throughout the week, I would hide all the fake plants and trees. Y'all think I'm joking. I'm not joking. I would hide them. I would find a closet, a room. I didn't care where. I just didn't want them out where people could see them. I would hide them. And then I would come in on Sundays and do what I normally do, go and pray and study and just get my mind ready to preach. And, and when I would come out before service and walk down that hallway, guess what was back? <laughs> Somebody was going and finding the fake stuff after I had hid them and bringing them back out and I couldn't catch them. I had no clue. Like, who, who's doing that? What, what's so special about the fake trees? And I never did find that. All I know is every time I hid them, they came back. Until one day, we had a clean-out day and guess where those bad boys went? In the dumpster. Now watch, watch, there, there, there's something powerful here. You, uh, it's funny, it is funny, but check this out. The lesson of that game is, as long as I was hiding it, it would reappear. As long as you're hiding your issue, it will continue to reappear in your life. As long as you pretend like everything's okay when it's not, you will continually deal with the same God. Somebody needs to have a clean-out day today, not Monday, and let's throw some stuff in the dumpster. Let's, let's get rid of some stuff and not carry it in to the next day of our lives. That's why so many people remain in bondage. They hide their stuff. And then it reappears. You are only as sick as your secrets. And God won't work on issues that you deny. Secondly, you have to think in new ways. You have to think in new ways. 2 Corinthians 10 and 5, we capture every thought and we make it obey Christ. You cannot control all the circumstances in your life, but you can control how you think about them. You can control your emotions if you'll pause long enough to think about what you're doing. You can do it. We can control. And God gave them two things to change their thinking. First of all, he gave them his word. He gave them his law. Listen, the only way to defeat a sin habit is a Bible habit. If you're not replacing that garbage with God's word, you're going to fall back into it. And a lot of us, man, we got daily issues, but we want a weekend solution. Daily issues is going to require more than a weekend solution. 
It's going to require every day you putting the word of God in. The second thing he gave them was that he gave them a community. God broke them down into small groups. He separated the people so that they could do life with others, so that they can live in the freedom that we're talking about today. See, relationships are the key outside of your personal walk with God and his word and what the Holy Spirit is doing. The next most important thing are your relationships. If you get around the right people, your life will turn right. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Some of us, we have people that drag us down, that deplete us spiritually, that don't really hold us accountable, that don't call us to a higher standard of living, and we're not able to get free because God sets something up, and it's called confession. And it's not only with God, but also with others. Check this out, 1 John 1 and 9. If we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Now, we would think that's enough. We just need to confess it to God. We're cool. But God gives us another piece to the puzzle. James 5, 16, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. One gives us deliverance. The other helps us to remain delivered. That's why you need a connect group. That's why until I got somebody to work out with me or exercise with me, I did it to no avail. There is something powerful about relationships, about getting around people that pull you to a higher standard, to a higher level. Confession gets things out into the light. And it's natural to hide things that we're ashamed of. Some of us, we don't talk about our issues because we're ashamed of our issues. But as long as we stay in that mode, that secret will, will dominate our lives. I've seen it on numerous occasions, and sometimes I've seen it in a study group. Sometimes I've seen it in a Monday night football group where you're just watching the game and eating chicken wings, and you think that's all there is to it, and then all of a sudden one of the guys says, you know what, I'm really struggling with this. And that's not an opportunity, all right, we're going to call everybody and tell them your issues. No, that's an opportunity where guys, rally, and I have seen more guys get set free in small groups than any other place. As the worship team comes back, the third step is you got to take authority over the enemy. The final step to deliverance focuses on the plan the enemy has for your life. Did you know the enemy has a plan to take your life out? He has a plan to destroy you, destroy your marriage, destroy your family. He wants to do any, destroy your relationship with God. He's working overtime to try to get you off course. He, he's working on that. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, Stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, notice what it says. It says, be alert, not afraid. Not afraid, be alert. When you took the first step of salvation, you need to know at that moment, when you gave your life to Christ, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the same spirit that conquered death, hell, the grave, and the devil took up residence in you. 
And deliverance and freedom is as simple as saying, in Jesus' name. How, how do I know that? Because in his name, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, and that includes the devil's tongue. It includes the devil's tongue. But some of us, listen, some of us, we just got to make a decision. You know what? I'm tired of living like that. In Jesus' name, I'm not going to live depressed. In Jesus' name, I won't be addicted any longer. In Jesus' name, I'm coming out of this issue that has tormented me for year after year after year. In Jesus' name, it's, going, it's that easy. And when you start saying in Jesus' name and you start taking authority over the devil in your life, listen, the devil will continue to shout at you and say it's not working, you're not free, nothing's happening for you. And, and if you'll notice, the devil will keep shouting, all right? You're standing right here on the Word of God. You're, you're in place. You know God has done something in your life and the devil starts real close to you and he's shouting at you saying, you're not free. It's not going to happen for you. You'll always be addicted. You'll always struggle. You'll always have issues. You're always going to be depressed. You're always, and if you'll notice, if you'll notice, he's a long way away from you and he's shouting and the reason is because he's a long way away from you. The reason the devil shouts at you is because there's distance between him and you and the the reason God whispers is because God is right here with his arms wrapped around you saying, I got you covered. You can live free. You don't have to stay in the depression. I wish somebody would take a moment right now. If you believe that Jesus can set you free, come on, give him a shout of praise in the house today. Come on, if you believe it. Man, I'm pumped up. In Jesus' name. Now, i got to do a couple of things, and this is going to be a powerful moment. The Holy Spirit's getting ready to move in this place. Because we don't preach like that and then just sit here. Oh, that's great. Good preaching. No, people need to get free. People need to get free. I want to ask you right here, right now. And this is going to be a bold step. But here's how I feel like I need to do this. You know Jesus. I'm going, to do that. I'm going to do the Jesus thing in a minute. Like, if you're not saved, hold on. Your turn's coming. But I want to speak to the people that are saved but struggling. Saved and addicted. Saved with depression. Saved in a cycle of frustration. Saved but still need an element of deliverance in your life. If that is you, I want you to be bold. I want you to be bold. Right now, right there where you are, just shoot your hand up. Church, I want you to look around the room. I want you to look around the room. All those hands. People who love God, but the enemy is convinced they can't get free. Listen, a couple things. God's getting ready to move in your heart, and we're going to pray, and I believe some things are going to be broken off of you. That's, that's instant freedom. But then you got to, if you want to remain free, you're going to have to talk to somebody. You're going to have to pray with somebody. You're going to have to get in a group. Come on, somebody. As long as it's a secret, as long as nobody knows you've ever struggled, that thing will come back. But today, we're going to get free. If you want to be free, I just want you to lift both hands right now. Come on, we're just right now in His presence. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the power of your word. 
I thank you for the power of Jesus' name. And God, right now, in this moment, we take authority, God, over every issue, God. Lord, over depression, over addiction, God, over past wounds and hurts, God, that, that, that's keeping us from living out our purpose and making a difference and having peace, God. Right now, in the name of Jesus, we break its power. It has no authority. It has no place. Your word says, God, he who the Son sets free is free indeed. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, I believe right now addictions are being broken. Right now depression is lifting. Right now relationships will be restored. Right now you'll have the power to tell somebody that hurts you and, and it's been a wound. Now in this moment you're going to have the power to go and, and, and just and make that right with somebody and not be stuck in your past but start moving towards your destiny. As long as you're parked in the old wound, you'll never operate in the new destiny God has for you. But in this moment, we are declaring God's word. Let your kingdom come, Lord. Let your will be done in our lives, in our bodies, in our minds, in our relationships, God. Lord, today let freedom ring loud in this place. And God, now we give you praise. We believe it's being done now by your spirit in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Let's give God a praise. Come on, lift up a shout. Listen, listen. I want you to pray with somebody. I want you to call somebody. I, most of all, I want you to get in a group this semester. I, don't do this alone. Don't do it alone. It's one thing for God to set you free, another thing to remain free. If you're in this place today and you need Jesus to save you, would you shoot your hand up right there where you are and say, I, need, I just need to be saved today. I, I need to make things right with God, anyone at all. I see one online, anybody in-house, that's you. Any, anybody at all, just shoot your hand up. Anyone at all. Father, we just pray right now, God. Lord, that you would forgive us for our sins. If you need to pray, come on, just pray that. Forgive us for our sins. God, we need you. We want to know you. And Jesus, we're inviting you into our hearts and into our lives to be our Lord and Savior. Thank you, Lord, for saving us today. In Jesus' name, as the prayer team and staff come forward, don't leave without prayer. We got one more song. God bless you. So glad you were here today. Karen and I love you. Let's, let's, let's live free, amen? amen? Let's live free. God bless you today. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.